Some things in life are bad They can really make you mad Other things just make you swear and curse When you're chewing on life's gristle That grumble, give a whistle And this'll help things turn out for the best And always look on the bright side of life Always look on the light side of life If life seems jolly rotten There's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps Don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle That's the thing Always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. And welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Pod. Cast Network, Luke Yardy here with you, joined as always by Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani, here with you on Monday, November 16th. That's when we're recording, also streaming live on Twitch. Thank you to everyone uh, who is currently in the Twitch room right now. Hi, Blues and Does. Uh, good to see you again, my man. And, uh, well, uh, we've got, uh, oof, <laughs> another, <laughs> fun, another, another fun game today, boys. Uh, woo! Uh, Man, uh, don't forget real quick before we get into this, uh, just a little housekeeping that you can. If you're listening on the pod, we do record every Monday, 730 live on Twitch. But appreciate you if you're here on Twitch or uh, listening on the podcast. Uh, please subscribe, leave a review, rate the show, uh, if you will. And uh, hope everyone is ready to uh, be miserable with us because misery loves company and guys uh before we get into the football how are you guys doing just you know j- just on like a a mental level a physical level are you got are you guys doing good gotta check up on my guys here uh a look into the state of how i feel right now can best be described by the 17 minutes of content i put out um on saturday night uh, i don't know what else to say um and we'll, I do have more things to say um, as Monday passed and, and comments happened and press conferences happened, but I'm fine overall. I think the thing that, so Saturday night uh, before the game, like leading up into the game, there was, there were a couple of like, there was a Metallica live stream. I watched and like the Foo Fighters live stream was going pretty much. It ended when ha- when the first half of the Michigan game was over. So that, that definitely softened the blow for me. Uh, but then, you know, once that, that second stream ends and the start of the third quarter, I'm like, Oh boy, I got 30 more minutes to go with this. So, um, <laughs> sobering, we've used that term. I mean, we're past that. I'm just, I said it on Saturday, I'm burned out. I'm tired. And, uh, hopefully we can help each other get back into good spirits here. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Um, first of all, I guess I thought I thought your post game pod was excellent, um, Anthony, and I think I, I, I like I like the con- again. You know, I got to speak stand up for my guys here. I think what we do on this site um, is something I'm incredibly proud of, uh, considering the circumstances. But even going back the last several years, I think we we do a great job here, and I'm happy to be just a small part of that. Um, you know what's what's weird is that we all thought. None of it, and we'll talk about the game, but just in terms of general mood, uh, none of us thought Michigan had much of a chance on Saturday. But on Friday, um, and I, I made a video about this as well, I, I bought for the PS4. I'm not one of the big city folk who went out and bought a PS5, but I got the uh, the new Spider-Man game, the Miles Morales game, and I spent parts of Friday and most of Saturday playing it. And I finished it right around the time the Michigan game was about to start. And because I was kind of on a high from that, there was a brief moment of hope where I'm like, man, this game's great. Football all day, had a day off. Hope dangles on us. And um, that string was ripped off my finger and we got what we got on Saturday. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, man. Like we, I, and I've said this on my lockdown podcast, but um, no, we, we are paid uh, to give our opinions on Michigan sports and we're content guys with that said, uh, we're not robots. And what, what happened on Saturday was something that I think drained all of us. It drained the people who work for Mason brew. It drained the people at the athletic for the Detroit news uh, Nick Baumgartner wrote about as depressing a post-game article as I've ever read on the athletic. And he does, he's, you know, one of the best writers in the state. Um, it's, it's one of those losses that genuinely feels like it hit everybody because of how just goddamn exhausting it was. And uh, we get to talk about it today on Monday's show. whoop de doo uh, Man, I got to say, first of all, uh, we all owe president Schlissel a huge apology because he tried his <laughs> damnedest to save us, man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it was the, the game was interesting though. Right. Because Michigan's defense came out, gets a stop right away. We're like, okay, all right. Uh, you know, maybe Michigan's going to stay in this thing. And then was it the first play or was it the second play from scrimmage that Joe Milton rolls out and right off first? Yeah, the, the first interception right off the hands of what Nick Eubanks there and intercept. I, I mean, I, I let out an audible laugh, like just a sarcastic laugh, obviously, but it was also like actually funny because it, it turned out to be exactly what we thought it would. And I, I have been thinking about this. I don't know when the last time I've been so embarrassed to root for this team was I I want to say it was last year Wisconsin, but I'm not sure if it was like this. This was almost like Toledo bad, yeah, right? Or, or like like at least Rutgers, yeah. I, I I mean this was uh, as thorough of an ass kicking as you're gonna get. I when Jim Harbaugh was hired, I at least thought that games like this would not happen 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even uh, even 2018 Ohio State, like the team put up a fight in the second half. Like I think they came out and scored in the second half, you know, to to cut it to two scores or something like that. They it, gave was a a one, it was a one-point game at halftime. Yeah, it was – yeah, it, it really wasn't, you know, as bad, you know, for the first like three quarters. But this was just, what, worst deficit since who the hell knows, 1940s or something like that at mm-hmm. home. Um, it was just, I embarrassing doesn't even describe it. And, and the fact that this was not supposed to happen when Jim Harbaugh came to Michigan makes it all the worse, man. Yeah. Um, now Anthony, you, you, we were texting in the group chat beforehand and you've, uh, you've had to take the brunt of a lot of this awfulness over the last Several days, my friend, and I, I appreciate you doing that, but uh, I'll give you a breather here for a second as I just kind of lament what we saw on Saturday. You know, I, I did, as I do, as for some reason, posted my uh, my little post-game video on Saturday, which uh, led to controversy for some reason. But one of the things I said in the moment was it was the worst performance I'd ever seen by a Michigan football team. And I got some blowback from that. People saying, what about App State? What about Toledo? What about Wisconsin last year? What about Ohio State in 2018? And I've had a few days to think about it. And my take is absolutely correct. I I stand by that 100% because it's the first Michigan football game I've ever watched in which I took zero positives out of it. Zero. You know, in other games, even App State, if you really wanted to, hey, you know what? Mike Hart had a great game. Sure. Why not? Toledo, eh, you know, Sam McGuffey freshman, he might be okay. Maybe, who knows? And we ultimately, you know, ended up transferring. But still, it's like there was not a single thread of goodness that came out of Saturday's game. And, you know, in the moment, everyone's hyperbolic. Everyone's angry. Everyone's frustrated. I think we can all agree that Michigan football may never get lower than 2008, right? The three and nine season, rich red season, terrible offense, terrible defense. Now, the heights of the 2008 season was a 19-point comeback against Wisconsin, which they showed highlights of on Saturday, which you brought up in your post-game podcast, Anthony. That was the lowest, right? But in my opinion, this is as hopeless a feeling as I've ever felt since being a Michigan fan uh, in the now 18 years in which I've been watching this uh, silly team go to work because the Rich Rod era was awful. And there was a lot of blowback and a lot of controversy from day one. Those teams, after bottoming out in 08, got slowly better. Hoke, to me, was just a rudderless ship. And I think we all view that as, okay, there's talent here. They just need a new direction. I don't know where they can go from here with this tenure right now. I, I, I truly don't. And that's what makes this so unbelievably frustrating and and difficult to watch and unlike hoax teams and this is a take that a lot of people might disagree with me on i never saw with brady hoke a team that where the locker room was lost i got the impression on saturday i'm not saying this is the case but i got the impression that that was a football team that had stopped playing for their coach I got the impression of a locker room that was lost. And that's one of the only times I've ever been able to say that about a Michigan football team. They, and we'll talk about this, but they may not win another game the rest of the season. And I don't know, truly, 
given the schedule they have left, how you can with confidence pick them to win another one. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I plowed through this on Saturday night. You guys have plowed through it so far. And, and the frustration from Saturday, I said this in the show. And again, maybe it's a bit of an overreaction because it is a COVID year. Things are kind of crazy right now. But things were so bad on Saturday night outside of four passes from Cade McNamara. Right. That's it. Four, four snaps in an entire football game. That that was a loss that requires and demands change somewhere, yeah. anywhere. And here we are. It's Monday night when we're recording. Don Brown is still employed. Um, there have been no shakeups on the defensive staff. Now, you might be changing your starting quarterback. Uh, it looks like Cade has a shot to start this weekend. At we the have very, to lose at this point, man. Well, at the very least, uh, to me, again, it's another Rutgers week where, like a couple of years ago with John O'Corn, if you struggle, you know, I'd put Joe back out there and be like, if you struggle against Rutgers, it's over. You will not see the field again. Right. Um, the fact that we're here and, and there are comments that Jim Harbaugh made on Monday – and again, I'm really, really making an effort to not pile on. But these are things that are coming out of his own mouth. He's happy with how things are on both sides of the ball. He says that, um, you know, going through some of the quotes here, getting back today, been anticipating this for over 24 hours, being around the guys again. I want to lead them. I want them to hear my voice and understand what the objectives are going to be each and every day. It's year six. It's year six, and you don't look like you're prepared to play a football game. You don't look like you want to play a football game, and you don't look like you even care to play a football game. Year six, you want your players to know what the objectives are each and every day? You've been there for closer to a decade than you have since you've been arrived, since you arrived. That is asinine that is absurd and it's insulting too we're not stupid the fans aren't stupid your players aren't stupid and then later on he comes he comes back and he says that um you know i got i think our guys were engaged they really played hard i can't say that that was missing of course i can't argue that anything we did was good either i can't make that argument um you know that's the approach help them to do that lead them in the right direction. What are you watching? Yeah. That was the most checked out. I've seen anyone maybe at any level of football. And I've been a lions fan my entire life. <laughs> and I've, I've said, I'm not going to scream and yell, but again, it's like the, the, the Mugatu thing from Zoolander. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah. What is this? And I don't know how you, you know, it's, Again, I hear people saying, you know, obviously things are bottoming out this year. And people, like, you know, people, all right, if Harbaugh's going to stay, maybe it's just like Brian Kelly's four and eight season in 2016. Do you realize Not every game, every game that Notre Dame lost that season outside of the bowl game against, uh, I want to say, I don't even remember who it was against, or it wasn't a bowl game. It was the last game of the year against USC. Duh, they went four and eight. Uh, they lost 45-28. Every single loss, all seven losses the rest of that year were one-score games. Mm -hmm. You lost to what might be the worst team in the Big Ten, given what we've seen the last three out of the four weeks of the season in Michigan State. 
um, and you got destroyed by Indiana, and you looked absolutely hapless against Wisconsin. Yeah, it, it's quite possible. And again, not trying to pile on, just stating the obvious here. It's quite possible that that game in Ann Arbor in Week Two was between the two worst teams in the Big Ten, and Penn State is zero and four. By the way, I was going to say Penn State's going to throw their hat in the ring on that one too. I mean, obviously, it's a weird year, but we can't chalk it up to that. This has been. Because I guess the worst part is too, right? Is like how how much talk there was, you know, with Harbaugh uh, amidst everything when the Big Ten was postponing to the spring. You know what what, what was what was the mantra? Uh, stay positive, test negative, be a Wolverine or something. something or Let's another. play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a threat now, by the way. Let's play football. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. But it's like, like they were working, man. It's not like they like took this time off and people went home and then came back and they tried to scramble. Like, I mean, I, there, there's a good question right there by Blues and Doe's. What are the differences between Penn State situation and Harbaugh situation? I, I don't spend a lot of time uh, like you know looking uh, for, uh, for Penn State stuff on Twitter. Are they feeling the same way about James Franklin as a lot of the fan base is feeling about Harbaugh here at Michigan. Uh, Let me I, I can actually speak here real quick and I'll, I'll let you go, Anthony, but, but I got, I can speak from personal experience here because I was in Chicago a couple weeks ago with a friend whose buddy, whose roommate was a Penn state fan. Just the vitriol that we have for Harbaugh right now is a five out of 10 compared to what this guy had for James Franklin. Now I do, I'm not saying he speaks for the whole fan base, but to answer the question that was put in the, the, the chat James Franklin has won 11 games three times. He's won a Big Ten title. And yes, there were fluky circumstances, the blocked field goal. Ohio State made the playoffs. He won one with Barkley and with uh, McSorley uh, on a team that a lot of people didn't think would win more than seven or eight games. He makes a lot of weird decisions. That was a good coaching job. He bought himself time with that a whole lot of time. They won 11 games last season. So like, if people are wondering, why aren't we focusing on uh, Penn State? That's why. Because, And I brought this up on a podcast I did earlier, an interview I did. If this is true. It's more hilarious, sadly, to look at the plight of Jim Harbaugh than it is to look at the plight of Penn State at this point. That's why it's getting the press that it is. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, it is. What's going on at Penn State is probably objectively worse because that was a team that, again, won 11 games last year. They brought a lot. I mean, they lose Micah Parsons. Um, journey Brown, I've, journey Brown, their uh, whole stable of running backs wiped out by whatever, um, you know, still a, a team and a program with expectations, probably objectively worse. Um, because I think to a certain extent, and this is, I guess the, the comparison with Michigan is, you know, Penn state's big 10 title was, was fluke kind of fluky. I mean, we'd take a fluky big 10 title around here, but, uh, that was a team that got destroyed by Michigan and that beat Ohio State on, you know, behind a block field goal. And again, you get credit for winning those games and you get credit for going. But uh, I mean, it is it is kind of ironic. The one year that James Franklin won a Big Ten title, Michigan was probably the best team in the Big Ten that year. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they finished. And they finished <laughs> yeah. And they finished, what, third place in their own division. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so it's like um, it, it's just one of those things where. I think there's more to suggest that like I, if you want to say which team's bad years, a blip on the radar, at least Penn state has played some competitive games. Um, 
really Michigan's only and I and I know what they did to Minnesota. Minnesota sucks too. PJ they Fleck do. is they suck total fraud. Hard. Um, but I think there's more to suggest that what's happening at Michigan is more the culmination of things that have been going on the last few years, as opposed to you know Penn State might maybe Penn State's having the four and eight Notre Dame blip on a radar season. Yeah, that's a um, better comparison. So, but yeah. again, it's just it's. Well, the, the the problem is what has happened the last two years against Wisconsin should never happen against no. Wisconsin. Like, I, and I have the utmost respect for Paul Christ and everything he has done at Wisconsin. But uh, we've, we've talked about every year. We talk about Ohio state. We, we talk about the talent gap. I I'm pretty sure. And I know the recruiting guys on this site could speak more to this to me, but when you look at like level of recruits, I'm pretty sure the talent gap between Ohio state and Michigan is closer than the talent gap between Michigan and Wisconsin. And it has been an absolute ass kicking the last two years on the Wisconsin side where they have like, like 10, four stars compared to Michigan's 40 plus there in terms of that, there is no comparison, but the player development, the system, just the program is it's on a whole other level. Yeah, it's that's that's the word is the system uh, because they build around. I mean, they, that's the thing about Wisconsin. I saw this was I think this is correct. Maybe I'm wrong. Over the last decade, Wisconsin's put more guys in the NFL than any other team in the Big Ten because they have a system in which they get a ton of big, strong offensive linemen. They have great running backs. And you know what? Every what 10 years now you'll have a generational quarterback. They had Russell Wilson in 2011. Uh, Graham Mertz didn't, you know, didn't play some phenomenal game on Saturday, but guys, the guys, true freshman, he's going to be a stud. Um, it, you know, it speaks, it speaks to the system that they have a system that Michigan under Harbaugh has had stability, but not a whole lot of success. And, uh, you know, if real quick, cause I wanted to bring this up is the quarterback situation that we have here. And um, over the weekend, I just for fun, I went back and watched some of the M live videos that Brendan Quinn and, and Nick Baumgartner did back in 2014, uh, which Oof. were great. Uh, and those guys are two of the best, but they seemed completely miserable in the situation. And I texted you guys this saying it was eerily similar to the conversations that we've had and are about to have today down because is there anyone right now between the three of us or anyone in the fan base who thinks that Cade McNamara is going to turn this thing around? Like, no, of course not. The same way that no one really thought that Shane Morris was going to turn this thing around. But the, the, you need something that could possibly resemble a spark at this point. And will Cade McNamara provide it? I mean, he provided it for four plays in a meaningless, you know, second half against Wisconsin. So that's, you know, that's probably the move you have to make. But you know, a year ago at this time, this guy was a fourth string quarterback. Like, like it, it, it's, it's, it speaks to how ugly the situation is. And three years ago, the argument of Harbaugh needs to get his guy in there, I think was a legitimate argument going from Rudock to Spate to O'Corn. We're in year six and the last quarterback, the last quarterback, the university of Michigan put in the NFL was Chad Henney. And I love Chad, but that was 13 years ago. And Chad is a proverbial backup and has been Super Bowl champion. But a proverbial backup, nonetheless. Denard doesn't count. He returned punts in the NFL. That is a stunning indictment when Ohio State, and you know, I'm going to make that comparison because that's the measuring stick, had a quarterback who had maybe the greatest college season in the history of college football was on their bench three years ago. 
I mean, that it's just it, by year six, that's to me is as bad an, an indictment as you're going to get on this football team. The fact that you still cannot figure out the quarterback situation. And when you've had so many guys come through this program at a certain point, it's not on the quarterbacks. These are all four five-star recruits and they've been coming up short and as has the rest of the team. I yeah. go ahead, Anthony. No, I was just gonna, like, um, the good news is, is it seems like, and again, it's looking to the future and recruiting and people don't want to hear it, but it, it looks like JJ McCarthy is solid. So any shockingly it, five, somehow I said, God yes. bless him. Um, five-star kid, a guy who honestly, if he gets here in the winter, he should be getting those reps in the spring right away. Yep. Um, I'll say this about Cade. I do think again, he's not a scrub. He was a four-star guy. I think he can play a little bit. He's definitely, he's a little more polished coming out of high school than Milton was um, at this point. I just want a guy that can run the offense. Can, do you know, do you know what, how to read a safety? Do you know, you know, what, what reading coverages is? Can you take a couple RPMs off the football? Can you complete a couple deep passes down the field? The bar should be pretty low there. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I watched that game against Wisconsin and I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did like, and I don't want to, uh, jump on the the poor guy but joe milton looks so lost that i'm wondering how did dylan mccaffrey lose the job to him and why did well, he transfer kind of, when, like he was you know he'd be starting right now there might be some other stuff going on there there's and gotta that's, be yeah. I, has I, to be that's that's the only thing that makes sense um but I, joe was just crazy in camp you know, and he, he showed the spark against Minnesota. I'll, well, I'll give him that. But. <laughs> let me give so let me give you an example. So, okay, Michigan hockey has probably one of the best freshman classes that have ever been recruited and brought on campus. And Mel Pearson said over the weekend after they swept Arizona State, we didn't think that we were this far along because guess what? Those guys, those forwards, those talented players are practicing against a really good defense. Yeah. So when you get into games. It's like, holy crap, this is easy because we have a good defense. To, to an opposite extent, Michigan has the best – Michigan football has the best practices in the history of intercollegiate athletics, week in and week out. Um, innate greatness all over the field. But when they, get, <laughs> when they get on the field on Saturday, they stink. And guess what? Maybe it's because they're just a bad football team. They are. So, I mean, and it's clear. I mean, that's not a hot take at all. Right, uh, yeah. Again – no, I think is, that is JJ McCarthy coming the lone reason. Like, is that the, the only thing you can really point to as a reason to, to keep Harbaugh moving forward? Let me, let me ask this you this year? because he's not getting fired. He's not right. He won't no, get fired. Obviously. And honestly, based on, unless it was a performance art today, based on the way he acted in his press conference, he like, is enthusiastic about getting this turned around. Now, I think we might be too far down that road, but let's look into the future a little bit. Um, and I know we, we wanted to talk about some happy things today, but I don't think we're going to have time for it, honestly. We're not happy. We're rolling. We're rolling. Um, but so let's just let's look into the future. Um, 2021. Okay, Jim, uh, we're going to give you a short term, like a bridge extension something that if you don't feel good at the end of this year, you can walk away from. If we don't feel good, we can walk away from. But you're going to be locked up, provide some semblance of stability. Okay, fine. But you have to nuke your coaching staff. So let's just say next year, I mean, if they go like two and six or, or God forbid, one and seven or whatever, 
that's about as hot as this seat can possibly get for him here. And what, what coordinator people are already saying, Oh, Will Muschamp just got fired at South Carolina. That's the guy you bring in to replace Don Brown. What I'm, what coordinator worth his weight in anything is going to either leave where they're at now or, you know, leave at period from anywhere to come work for what might be a lame duck coach. I just don't see that happening. Um, And if it, it, again, it's one thing where if you were playing competitive and the kids are playing hard, I can justify it being a blip on the radar that things aren't going well, but with each passing year since 2016, when you play, when they play the best teams on their schedule and heck, apparently everyone this year is the best team on their schedule because they're (laughs) one of the worst teams in the big 10. It, the, the gap is the gap is getting wider. Forget Ohio state. And I said this over the weekend, I would take, and maybe this makes me a bad fan supporter, reporter, blogger, whatever you want to call it. I would take nine and three, 10 and two, the rest of my days, if they were competitive and they showed up ready to play football games, I would Um, nine and four with two shit pumps a year to Ohio state and Wisconsin and throw a random team in there. That's not, that's window dressing. It's the, the record means nothing to me. It, It means nothing to me that they've, that Jim Harbaugh's won 48 games. It's that he's 0-11 as an underdog. It's that, again, against all of these top teams on their schedule, they don't win. They lose, and with each passing year, the losses get worse and worse. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's on the flip side, it's the same people we're looking ahead here that say Matt Campbell might not be a good football coach because he can only win eight games at Iowa State of all places. Iowa State is like a historically like a Rutgers level bad type of football school. And again, this isn't not turning this into a Matt Campbell thing, just as an example, records do not tell the whole story. So that record, the records that matter to me is I, uh, I do want to three and three against Michigan state. Oh, and whatever against Ohio state, no big 10 titles, no big 10 East titles. That's what matters. I've had a, I don't want to, I don't know if it's an epiphany or whatever the hell it would be. I was thinking about this the other day and I'm in, and Harbaugh has his own shortcomings. I get it, but I don't know if it's not like, like you guys, Anthony, you've mentioned your Alliance fan, no matter what coach they bring in, no matter what GM they bring in the same problems persist with the Detroit lions. I'm Harbaugh turned around Stanford he beat the Pete Carroll USC teams, you know, it won the game by one that one year and absolutely just stomped them another year. Pretty much forced Pete Carroll to go back to the NFL. Ran, ran it up on him. Ran yeah. it up on him. Yeah. You know, Stanford, you want to talk about bad football programs, Rutgers level bad prior to Jim Harbaugh. It's Stanford, yeah. you know, he goes to the NFL and he wins. He's won everywhere he's ever been. Won the first couple of years at Michigan, and all of a sudden, it's falling apart. And I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes, but I'm not wondering. I don't, I'm starting to think I don't care who you bring in. I don't care if you bring in Urban Meyer. You could bring over Ryan Day. You could bring in Nick Saban. I'm not sure that someone's going to win at Michigan at this point. I think there is something larger at play at the University of Michigan that is not allowing 
the football program to succeed, whether it's too great of expectations, whether it's they want to save face, they want the program to look a certain way, and maybe they tamed Harbaugh a little bit and whatever he was doing because he came in, you know, like shot out of a can in these satellite camps. He was going crazy on the sidelines. Now he's just like kind of a tame old man, to be quite honest with you. He's not even getting upset during the games, it doesn't seem like, when they're getting stopped. I, I, I'm i starting to think that it doesn't really matter if you move on from Arba and bring in whoever. I'm not sure anyone's going to win at Michigan until they decide how badly they want to win rather than what the program looks like to the outside. But again, if this was a conversation, we're having this conversation the end of last year, I totally agree with you on every front. But when you look this bad, when you look Rich Rod bad, when you look 2013-2014 Brady Hoke bad, that's not good enough. But, but that's at- another one too. Like Rich, Rich Rod won wherever he was too. And he came over and just could got nothing going here. Yeah. And Brady, Brady Hoke, what, that one, he just well, that, that's- I mean, he was good at like Ball State and whatnot. But I mean. I talked about this too uh, over the weekend. I, I don't, I don't 100% buy into the, there's always the old bit that, oh, well, you know, all these other schools are, their football players don't actually go to class. Our players go to class. And there's all these, no, you know, garbage. There's all these, yeah. you know, you know, puff your chest out excuses for why uh, Michigan doesn't get it done on the field. Well, but but the, the administration like keeps talking about it. Like that's the thing, right? Well, because it's that's like, the only thing they have to fall back on. The team stinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a there is a there's always been a a hubris about it. I mean, the old the old adage is, you know, anyone that's gone to Michigan, and we're just three idiots that didn't go there. So correct. What what word did what word what does our word really carry? Um, you know, the, the old saying is that you know people who went to Michigan will tell you within the first five seconds that you know them they went to Michigan it's a it's a proud institution that honestly for as much as you know the football team is is woven into the fabric of the community um there's a lot more to it too and I have I'm not making fun of people that have pride in the university or anything like that um but like I said uh, that stuff when you when you're when you jump six times on a on a hard count when you grab guys down the field, when you're beaten in coverage, that has nothing to do with all of that stuff. That's a lack of focus uh, and really just lazy, undisciplined football. And that's a coaching problem. Yep. Here's the, uh, just to respond to some of the points you made. The reason I use the word hopeless goes back to a lot of what you had to say. Luke, which, and I texted you guys this last week, and it's what makes us so devastating. I don't think there's any higher on paper in the history of college football that looked as perfect as Jim Harbaugh coming to Michigan. You could maybe say Saban to Alabama. You could maybe say Meyer to Ohio State. The reason I would push back on that is because Saban had a failed tenure in the NFL, and we knew he'd do a great job at Alabama, but you know, was maybe slightly damaged goods. Meyer had the health issue, which did persist. In fairness, as you know, he won a million games there, but it when Rich Rod left, we said, "All right, bad tenure, failed experiment. Let's get the next guy." Hoke left. We said, "Okay, they're over two. That coaching search was a bit of a disaster." Oh my God, the skies have opened up. Literally, 
I, I use this comparison when the Tigers hired AJ Hinch, but it's it's an apt comparison here. Imagining if you're imagine if you're trying to grill something and a 16 ounce sirloin falls out of the sky and lands on your grill. That's what it felt like. It could not have been a more perfect situation for this football program, and yet he's failed to get it done. And that's what makes this so frustrating because you do kind of get the mentality of where else can they go from here? The one thing I will say though, because I saw this, I don't know if it, it was around Twitter, but it was on my feed, uh, unfortunately, was that I saw a lot of people posting uh, the roster for the 2012 San Francisco 49ers. And I heard people say, man, you look at Patrick Willis and and uh, uh, Frank Gore and all these studs. Man, it's amazing Harbaugh didn't win a Super Bowl. Maybe he underachieved. And I fight back against that adamantly because I still believe in the deepest depths of my soul that the hire Michigan made when they got Harbaugh was a hire to get an elite coach. I believe the guy that came to Ann Arbor in December of 2014 was an elite football coach. I'll always believe that. Somewhere along the line, and I kind of point to the 2016 Ohio State game. I, that's kind of the default one. But I think somewhere along the line, something happened where he he just didn't adapt. He didn't adjust. I've said it. The comparison I've said is that he's lost his fastball on Saturday's game. It looked like a coach who's lost his fastball curveball cutter and changeup. Like it, it looked like a guy whose stuff was completely dunzo. And that's, it's what it's, you know, it's a great point you made Luke and, and both you guys, it, it's, it's what makes this so frustrating because it felt like when he came here, it was only a matter of time. And but he, I, I think he was elite. I, I think he, I he think was. he, no, I agree. Yeah, I think he was elite in 2015 with yep. what he had to work with. And I think that 2016 team reached heights at its peak that I don't think Brady Hoke would have even come close to reaching with that, with that same group of guys. Hell no. No. Um, and Chris, I, I actually think when we talk about Harbaugh as an underachiever or, you know, it was, again, I will go to my grave saying that that was, that was and is – the best hire they could have made. Uh, and oh, it was it cosmically a hundred times out of a hundred cos, cosmically. They got cosmically lucky there. Um, yes. I think both things can be true. Uh, you know, San Francisco went to the Super Bowl once and, and lost another two uh, NFC title games. You can make the argument they underachieved again, but again, it was a Harbaugh team that didn't quite reach the heights um, given what he had. Again, I think both things can be true. I don't think that has anything to do what he did at Mich- with what he's done at Michigan. Um, I'm trying to think of Ethan Sears of the Michigan Daily wrote a column on Monday that basically said all of these problems started really with that 2017 class, where again one of the four or five best classes in, in the entire country. But you go through and you look at all the names of the guys who either left early, transferred, or just flat out didn't pan out. Um, that's hurting them right now. A lot of them. Um, and the twenty the twenty eighteen class wasn't really great. The twenty nineteen class was was good. Um, you know, this year's class was was pretty good. Um, the twenty twenty one class is is great, and, and it's it's encouraging to see that. It seems like Saturday didn't change things for a lot of those guys, which is positive because again, you do need talent. I mean, you need. We've talked about the talent that Michigan has playing on defense right now, namely at cornerback. Um, Again, you need you need talented players, and those guys seem pretty steadfast that that they're still going to be there. 
Um, you know, whether it was Harbaugh toning it down, I do think there was probably a conversation about making yourself l- look like a little bit less of a sideshow. Um, you know, he was again, and, and I had no problem with, with it at the time. And I still don't have a problem with it. He kind of came to Michigan as a carnival barker of sorts. We're going to do these, uh, these satellite camps. We're going to, you know, remember the signing with the stars with Derek Jeter and yeah, um, Rick Flair, Rick Flair. I mean, yeah, that was the Migos there, man. That was absurd. And in the Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, book or 30 for 30 that's gonna be a pretty fascinating chapter um like i said I at, so, uh, but the the thing is like the fire on the sidelines like uh, and i get that might not be like the, the reason but my thinking is is if that spills over to the everyday stuff yeah. like if he doesn't have that fire on the sidelines does he still have it every day he goes into shem beckler hall does he still have it on the recruiting trail does he still have that feeling of meritocracy like that he built his entire reputation on and that he built the program on does he still demand you know every single day does he start to play favorites does he not have that fire uh, with the everyday stuff in practice I don't know I can't speak to that but the player development is just not there it's not and that's a huge issue and even more so I think I, I think I think your point about the penalties is a major major issue and a big telltale sign Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, when I see efforts, like I saw on Saturday and if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're telling us that I thought the fight was there, I thought the effort was good. That tells me that somebody's not trusting somebody somewhere, whether it be coaches, not trusting players, players, not trusting coaches. Um, I think that when Jim Harbaugh came to Michigan and you saw it instantly, it was palpable. It was apparent. There was an enthusiasm. There was a toughness about them. I think since Jim Harbaugh has gotten there, there have been, there were so many, you know, cue the curb your enthusiasm theme music moments like trouble with the snap, like the Iowa game, like the Ohio state game that I think over time um, that's bubbled into what has become a culture of, well, throw your hands up. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do here. We've, we've done everything. We've tried everything. And what you've seen since then in those big moments. Um, and even, you know, this, this current issue probably stems back as early as the, you know, the Ohio state game in 2018, which is, it's a team that's completely lost. They've tried everything. They've, they've made changes. Jim Harbaugh hasn't been, you know, he has this reputation of being stubborn, but he's had to change both coordinators. He has made hires. I mean, on both sides of the ball, when guys leave and things like that, it's just, they've done everything. It's like a, it's just like a bad relationship. That's just, it hasn't worked. You want, you want it to work so badly um, because when things are good, things are pretty good. But um, you know, at some point, a lot of people out there have probably been in a, you know, a romantic relationship like that, where no matter what you try, no matter what you change up, no matter what you adjust for whatever reason, cosmically in the right here and right now, it doesn't work. And when you keep putting band-aids on, on these deep cuts, these deep wounds, it just, it just, as time goes on, it just gets worse, you guys. And I think that's what we're seeing right now, honestly. Um, it's sad. We wanted, we want this to work out, but I said it on Saturday and, and it's, it wasn't emotional to me. I think that, I think that this is over. I think it's over. Yeah. The window of winning at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh, it's over. 
sorry. To, to me, and this is this is why I always chalk up this loss as like one one of the worst ones, despite it not being close. I personally, and I didn't, I never, I don't think I ever said it out loud. I remember feeling after 2018 that he was never going to get there like that it, because I, that was, and we, we did shows that whole season. That was the best 10 weeks of Michigan football I'd ever watched. They lost to Notre Dame and literally shellacked the living shit out of every team they played after that. They beat Michigan state bad on the road. They murdered Wisconsin. They murdered Penn state and tip in typical fashion. People said, Oh, I guess those teams weren't that good. No, those teams were good. And Michigan embarrassed them. Trace McSorley was a senior quarterback and chase Winovich broke him over the and a half like you know Bain or something like it was just an insane effort that those teams are putting in they were favored again Columbus how crazy is that two years later to be like wow they were favored going into Columbus and they got completely destroyed and a big reason why they got completely destroyed I still believe was they got out coached I, I Anthony you've said it before and I think you're right I think if that 2018 team plays their best football the football that they'd played the previous 10 weeks on that Saturday in Columbus, I think they can still win that game. Despite the inconsistencies of Shea Patterson, despite all that, that was a really good football team. And I think they, they could have, they could have won that ball game. Uh, And I think since then they've just, I think they've continued to go backwards and to bring it all the way back around real quick. Some with the person who asked in the chat, why is it that people aren't ripping on Penn state the way that they're ripping on Michigan? I think it's because the way you said, Anthony, we could, it's very easy to look at this Penn State team and say blip in the radar. The problems that are persisting at Michigan have been there over the last several seasons. I think that's why there's so much criticism. Poor quarterback play, undisciplined, too many penalties, bad play calling has been there for several years now. It's become systemic and it's become ugly. I'll, I'll end with this. When you go into every season or end, into every offseason on a two-game losing streak every single year, it's been what four years in a row now. That's just, I mean, at some point it, it becomes a culture of missed opportunities and miss, you know, disappointment. And that's where we're at. Disappointment leads to confusion. And that's where, where we are. I, I want to end with the thought that Chris had about getting out coached in, in 2018. I think that you might've just hit what I'm most disappointed about Chris yeah. in the Harbaugh tenure is how many times this Michigan team under Harbaugh has felt like they got out coached? How many games that that's been the case? That wasn't supposed to happen when he came here, and yet it's happened probably more times than I can count on one hand and almost probably two hands, Yeah, which is it's super disappointing, super frustrating. And maybe they'll get I don't like I don't even know if they're going to beat Rutgers. That's how far this program has fallen. Right yeah, dude, I don't know. And this is, this is where my Twitter exploded uh, the other week, but I don't know how you can predict them to be any other team right now when they lost to Michigan state and got it. Oy vey, I've been losing my mind the last couple of days. It, that's not to say Michigan state didn't play out, didn't outplay Michigan. That's not to say Michigan state didn't play a wonderful game against Michigan. But the fact is Michigan state, if you remove that game, and I stand by this comparison and people have wanted me to jump off a skyscraper for some reason, but I think it's a fair point. Michigan state in the three games they've lost has looked about on par with how Rutgers looked under Chris Ash, which is a football team that doesn't know how to win that turns the ball over all the time. That isn't particularly talented. And yet 
played a phenomenal game against Michigan. And if MSU was on par with what Rutgers has looked like over the last couple years, what does that make Michigan right now? It makes it rock bottom. That's the point I've been trying to make. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I, I just, do I think they'll win more games? I do. I do. I think they'll, they'll dig deep at some point and find some way to win. I mean, we said this in, in 2014, obviously we weren't doing shows, but we wondered if they were ever going to win another game. They won an 18 to 13 ugly slug fest against a Penn state team the next week when Christian Hackenberg was really rolling. I think they'll find a way to, to scratch out a few more, but nothing salvageable at this point this year has passed disaster and it's uh, you know it's as bad as it gets certainly not anything we thought would happen that's that's for certain but uh we're we're just gonna keep rolling with the punches as is the theme of uh 2020 but i think that's got about just about do it for us here coming up uh and you know i was going a little over but sometimes we got to get off our chest so uh <laughs> as we wrap up uh chris where can we find you on social media man uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow me there or, you know, do whatever you want. That's fine. Um, I, have another show. <laughs> I, I have I have another show, um, Locked on Tigers, uh, for the Locked on Podcasting Network, uh, covering a lot of baseball news as the, the offseason continues. Uh, pretty soon here, I think we'll be going down to three days a week. But for the time being, five days a week for the Locked on Podcasting Network. You can find that at Locked on Tigers on Twitter and uh, you know, movies, I think are still a thing though. A lot of them haven't been released lately and there you'll, uh, and on my personal Twitter page, you'll find the link to my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and there I post uh, movie reviews pretty consistently. So subscribe to that channel. It would mean a lot. Uh, I appreciate you. If you would follow me on all those platforms, Anthony, how about you? Follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom, uh, follow maize and brew on Twitter. Uh, you know the socials, you know where to get the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, real quick, because we got caught up in, uh, forgot to do the live read in the middle because we got caught up, caught oh, a moment right. there. Um, uh, shout out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel. Uh, there will be a little Black Friday thing coming up, details on that next week. Uh, but Home Field, uh, great stuff. A couple, couple weeks ago, launched their line of Michigan stuff. If you're not feeling great about the football team, there's plenty of generic Michigan logo type stuff. Uh, there's a sweet basketball shirt that, uh, you know, some, some cool hoodies, crew necks, things like that. It's awesome. I, you, most of you probably have their stuff already. It's like being swaddled in a cloud. It's like being hugged. And, and honestly, on Saturdays, we could use more of that right now. So uh, we're going to give you 20% off your first purchase there using the promo code MNB. That's promo code MNB over at homefieldapparel.com. So shout out Homefield. Shout out you guys. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. If you're listening on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. Uh, We'd love to hear some feedback. Don't forget, uh, we do record the show live every Monday night at 7.30. Big thank you on Twitch, and a big thank you to everyone who is on Twitch. Uh, The comment section was going crazy again. Love reading the stuff uh, while we're doing the show. Thank you to everyone uh, who engages in the show. It, It really is fun for us as well. Instead of just talking to each other, uh, good to get some live feedback uh, on a lot of this stuff. So thank you. And don't forget if you're listening on the podcast, we do do it every Monday night, seven 30 on Twitch, but that's going to do it for us here on Brewcast for my partners, Chris Castellani and Anthony broom. I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.